Hi everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, and experts from both Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journeys into this growing and exciting industry, giving you some insight into the ecosystems that help you to take part in the fight against climate change and benefit from the opportunities it can represent podcast is divided in two small interviews. During the first part, you will get to know our speakers, their perspectives on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. Second part of the discussion will be for members of our community who will learn the speaker's secret sauce on how to and share with you their unique expertise on topics such as fundraising, management, strategy and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. So before we start, I would like to quickly share what we are doing at Startup Basecamp to support climate tech founders in accessing resources and gaining visibility with investors they seek. Our initiatives include a membership-based community platform offering access to a dedicated Slack group with a growing number of founders, experts, and investors from around the world and a series of exclusive content such as interviews, weekly job listings, events, and our quarterly online pitch of night opportunity. But more than a place where you can learn, exchange, and grow, we are building a matchmaking service to facilitate connections between our members and top investors and experts in the field. And soon, alongside with other top investors, we will be launching a small fund to co-invest in the growth and acceleration of our members. Finally, all of this is possible because of your support and donations. We are a small self-funded team, and we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. So please share one episode with a friend and subscribe to the channels. As an added bonus, we will plant a tree for each of our subscribers each time we reach 1,000 new fans or donors. Do not hesitate to connect with me via social media or email guillaume at Startup Basecamp. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope to get in touch with you soon. And now, let's go for the show. Hi, everyone. To this episode, we are speaking with Sophie Purdom, co-founder at Climate Tech VC, the weekly newsletter on climate and innovation read by more than 15,000 investors, entrepreneurs, and network shapers. I was excited to have Sophie on the show and learn more about how she teamed up in March 2020 with Kim Zhu, who originally started Climate Tech VC as a blog, and how together they built a fast-growing Climate Tech reader base, serving their readers consistently with high-value content, tons of emojis, and listening to the audience feedback to improve their work with a product-focused approach. This episode, Sophie will share an overview of the climate tech ecosystem today. Then she will put her own investor hat and share which sector, according to her, are the most promising today in terms of impact cash return or ICR, meaning the sectors building impactful companies while creating highly profitable business. Finally, Sophie will share a few words about what she would say to people feeling doomed by the current climate crisis situation. Then we will conclude the talk with what's next for Climate Tech VC and how you can be involved in their initiatives today. In the second part of the show, Sophie will give a secret sauce for founders seeking to fundraise as well as her 
insights on how to maintain a healthy work-life balance as a founder and an investor. Finally, she will share her thoughts on the incredible role women are and will continue to have in the climate change fight. Sophie, welcome to the show. Hi, Sophie. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. We are super happy and excited to have you uh, here with us today. So before we start, as usual, can you please give us a 30-second uh, introduction about Climate Tech VC? No doubt. Glad to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Um, love to share about Climate Tech VC. 30-second version. Let's see. Uh, we got started, well, first of all, I should say what we are, right? So we are a newsletter. We see ourselves as the leading source of information on, of course, the facts. So the news, the deals, the events that are happening in this booming climate tech space. But also we help you think about um, how to think about it. So, so we bring you the facts and then, and then lots of frameworks, including market maps and deep dives, conversations with leading founders and investors and change makers in the space. Um, and we're read by uh, 15,000 subscribers, all of whom are um, uh, making, making a big impact on climate tech, um, mostly from the early stage innovation angle as investors or operators. We also have a jobs board now, and we're launching a whole suite of other products. Um, so think of us as your leading nude source, and uh, we drop in a fair amount of emojis. So try to keep it fun as well. Fantastic. So excited to, to learn more about uh, all of that. So let's start by the, by the, from the top. You know? Can you tell us a bit more about uh, your story and, and background? Uh, maybe anything else so specific that uh, is not public yet, but that you would like to share about, uh, about yourself? And I mean, who is Sophie, uh, you know, more than a successful co-founder of uh, Climate Tech VC? Yeah, dropping the secrets early in it. I love it. Um, who is Sophie? So Sophie, I've always been, uh, throughout my whole career, focused on climate. Um, and that's, that's taken me uh, across a whole bunch of different paths and wearing a bunch of different hats. So um, I studied it academically at Brown University and helped to set up an institute, so a uh, hub of professors and, and students to study the intersection of environment and society and uh, use that work to um, really dig deep into how does business and how do business and climate go hand in hand. And I was a little bit of the black sheep at Brown, which tends to prioritize some other more social um, social angles for making change and leaves business out of the equation sometimes. But, um, you know, I grew up running a business with my family and um, it's nothing glorious. We didn't leverage and raise venture capital, that's for sure. Um, but, but I totally understood where the dollars and cents came from. We were running an e-commerce distribution business and I worked on that through college as well. So I was trying to balance personally this um, what I was doing to kind of fund my college experience, if you will, and, and how my, how my um, family made ends come together with my study of climate, which felt very high level. I was lucky enough to go to the UN climate negotiations a few times and work on policy with state legislators and um, just brilliant access and opportunity. But the realism piece wasn't always quite there for me. Um, and I, I figured maybe there was something at this intersection. And so I, now I've been working at that intersection. I can kind of like see back right ever ever since then. So um, first, helping set up a ESG fund, so environmental social governance, back when that was 
not as popular as it is today at the Brown University Endowment, um, taught a course on sustainable investing with a very close uh, uh, friend of mine, Carrie Krosinski. Carrie and I wrote a book together on sustainable investing um, and trying to push forward this, you know, um, the facts and the frameworks around this nascent space. Um, so I was doing that. I took a bit of a detour, if you will, and I went to Bain, the management consulting firm for a few years, um, skilled up <laughs> and then left to go directly back into strong climate impact, starting a business um, felt a bit like a science project, if you will, at the time, um, but it's now a company that's doing really well, I'm happy to share, called Kula Bio. And Kula is a, is a deep tech agricultural technology business, and our product is a fertilizer. So we make ammonia, but we do that through a completely different process. We, we make ammonia using microbes. Um, also turns out that our fertilizer, which the plant prefers, by the way, and is about the same cost as synthetic, very polluting fertilizers, uh, uh, is, is, the same, is the same cost and it's a carbon sink. So that's true climate tech, but we weren't calling it that then. Um, and so fast forward a little bit, uh, right around when the, then the global pandemic hit in March of last year, um, I was thinking about where do I want to sit and where do I want to apply my skill sets moving forward and um, recognize that ESG had taken off, but was very much focused on avoiding the worst. And I wanted to work moving forward on solutions um, and that that meant more innovation and probably earlier stage company building and investing. And that's when I started thinking more about climate technology. Um, also, uh, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in this is a pretty small world and all of the loops kind of keep overlapping with one another. My author and close friend, Carrie Krosinski, put me in touch with a woman named Kimberly Zhu. Um, and Kimberly had just kicked off this uh, blog and she called it Climate Tech VC. And Carrie said I needed to chat with Kimberly and we met, uh, you know, virtually it's pandemic times and, um, and started writing together, not with really any intention other than synthesizing all of our own thoughts and um, probably spending too much time like reading, reading news and engaging with folks in the space and wanted to get that out there. Um, you know, of course, uh, fast forward now almost two-ish years later and Climate Tech VC is a, um, a true organization. There's lots of folks that work on it behind the scenes. We, we uh, publish twice a week, um, real like tomb of information. Um, and it goes out to 15,000 folks, like I said before, and is seen as the leading source of news and information on the space, which um, uh, is a real honor and also has personally given me access to um, shift from being a founder into more of a capital deployer. And so that's mm -hmm. the hat that I wear um, these days as a climate tech investor and happy to share more on that. Super passionate about it and, and have thought hard about how can you have the most impact um, in the climate tech space as we're in a real boom time? Fantastic. So before we go too much into detail of, uh, of all of that, uh, and I, I feel like based on your story and based on your, uh, your, your, your journey, uh, you had the opportunity to have like a lot of like haha moment, but do you have any haha moment that you can, uh, you know, describe that really pushed you uh, into, in a way, the, the climate tech uh, industry, or all of them really pushed you to climate tech VC, which was your mm -hmm. aha moment? Mm. Good question. For me, it definitely was not 
one in interaction or a thing that happened or um, deep insight that I landed on, but rather uh, I've always been climate first, right? So uh, I actually think this is maybe it's pseudo like generational in some ways, but um, it's always been very obvious to me that climate is the thing that my generation, uh, uh, our you know, well-being, livelihoods, um, future hinges on. And I've always wanted to work on that. You know, frankly, I grew up in, I'm British, you can't hear it so much anymore, <laughs> but I grew up running around with like hay bales in the British countryside and have always had that connection to nature. Um, you know, life has taken me many different places, but um, that's, a, that's a passion. And I found a way to study that academically. And then frankly, that got self-reinforced, right? I um, got access to people I wanted to be around and conversations I wanted to be a part of and opportunities to step up and lead and grow foster um, within the climate space in part because um, it was a good fit for my inherent skill sets, but also the space was growing really quickly. And so it's always been, I don't know, it's always been me and climate. Uh, <laughs> and and um, I feel really privileged to play a role in helping communicate um, and, and, and push forward kind of the future, the future of this space. So maybe, but of course, little inflection points along the way that mostly hinge on people. So meeting people or building something with people. And um, this is a real community play. So, so wouldn't be here without, without all of those many aha moments uh, with phenomenal folks. Fantastic. So let's zoom out a little bit and, and, and step back here and maybe you know, Climate VC is sharing so many high valuable uh, content about the ecosystem. So you're probably one of the of the best to ask right now, like what is the, to, to, to share with us like this overview of the, the climate ecosystem today. I mean, where are we at uh, and what needs to happen uh, to have the, the climate tech industry or ecosystem being able to fully support the uh, 2050 net zero goal? Well, we just wrote something about this. So, uh, uh, and I'll back that up by saying, you know, one can feel emotionally, sometimes physically, like the increasing pace of action in this space, investment, building, policy, et cetera. And um, uh, I'm a data person, I wanted to quantify it. And um, so for the past 18 months, we at Climate Tech VC, which is myself, Kimberly, and the, our amazing team have been hard at work gathering data point by data point, um, pretty painstakingly, even when we didn't know what we were gonna be doing with this information, real time tracking of announced venture level deals in climate tech. So that required us um, defining what the climate tech space was, what are all of those subsectors, like what are our boundaries around that? Um, defining what is the right uh, uh, kind of like asset class. So what stage are we gonna track? Um, verifying that information, categorizing it, et cetera. And so we have this big database in the background. Frankly, you know, folks could build it themselves if they went through all of our issues and, and recorded information from our deal section. But um, uh, we, we got to a point where there's enough information there and there's enough interesting trends that it was time to, to publish it. So we put out this piece um, and I guess some of the high levels are you know, high level interesting stats are that over 18 months, so it's, you know, uh, say from, um, let's see, it would be Q, Q2 2020, so right around the start of the pandemic is a way of thinking of that, 
through to um, Q2 2021, so that's technically mm-hmm. five quarters, um, we've tracked a thousand unique investors, so different funds, or rather different firms that have all collectively participated in funding 600 unique venture capital climate deals. So, you know, I think it's something like 550 or 500 climate tech companies because it's been long enough that folks are out there like raising again. Um, that's a ton of activity. And and the pace is what's really interesting. That has uh, like all of our metrics are like up and to the right for good or for bad, um, uh, uh, moving faster into present day. So um, to give you a sense of that, you know, there were on average about 100 unique deals being done every quarter across sectors in in climate tech a year ago. Now there's 50% more. So there's over 150 um, that were done in Q2 2021. So literally moving 50% faster. um, And and that's the N. So that's the number of deals. In terms of the dollar value, um, it's much higher. So um, on, on average, the deal size by stage a year ago um, was smaller in every single, you know, stage of deal, seed, A, B, you know, growth. Um, mm-hmm. But most notably in series A deals, it was, you know, an A deal 12 months ago on average was literally half of the amount of capital that's being raised for an A deal today. So 14 million on average versus 24 million on average now. Um, growth is 3x bigger. And again, these are averages. The median is is close enough that this trend still holds, but 130 mil on average versus 380 mil on average now for growth climate tech deals. So um, the number is increasing and the size of the individual deals are increasing, which means the total value, the total volume of dollars deployed into climate tech um, is, is pretty exponentially taking off. So um, uh, we see uh, over nine billion worth of deals in Q2 2021. Um, and so in total, you know, we've been tracking 16 billion just from our mid-year uh, reporting so far. That's fantastic. And thank you so much for sharing this uh, overview of the five last quarter, which is very, uh, in, in a way, very short term in terms of the, uh, of the, uh, of the timeline. But do you have any any insight of like what's next? Uh, what needs to happen to really uh, close that gap? Uh, do we need like ten times, hundred times more investment? Uh, really, what's like? How do you see the ecosystem in maybe twenty thirty from from now? So like in nine years from now. Yeah, and when you say close the gap, there's lots of different you know anchor points we could be going off of. So are you referring to, for example, like? reaching a net zero total economy or hitting the Paris Accord targets? What what are you anchoring on? I mean, I think the ultimate goal is the 2050 uh, net zero goals as of today, uh, because that's where in climate tech probably won't be able to support fully that. Uh, but when can we believe? And maybe it's a question that is like <laughs> really difficult to answer, but when uh, are we going to reach an ecosystem that's mature enough 
to really see like uh, the impact in terms of uh, CO2 reduction because we're mm. still at the initial uh, stage of, uh, in a way, uh, the effect, the positive impact that all of those technologies that are financed right now can have in terms of uh, CO2 reduction, uh, if you mm. know what I mean. I do, I do. So this um, uh, brings up two big points. Um, like to contextualize everything that I'm talking about, it's in a niche. So niche number one, I talk about innovation. So bringing new um, technologies to market versus deployment. And I hate to make this black and white because there's a lot of gray in the middle. Um, but but uh, you know we're we're working in the part of the market that's going to be deploying maybe you know minimum five more likely like 10 years out out down the line um so even though there's a lot of hype and talk us included talking about the innovation side of the market the rubber hits the road the steel goes in the ground you know the emissions are getting sequestered today mostly on the deployment side um so uh most deployment is happening through different asset classes think project finance infrastructure debt credit um uh, and, and so I think that's just important for like listeners of, mm -hmm. um, climate change technologies are being implemented and having an effect right now through deployment. Um, there are new technologies coming to market that hopefully will be more efficient, cheaper, better, you know, whatever, able to access new markets and new solutions, make it, you know, more user-friendly that are in the innovation stage at the moment. So, so that's one. Um, and then the other piece is, um, similarly, I focus on venture capital, a very, very small slice of, uh, you know, total, um, uh, total capital deployed or total, like total assets. Um, and so uh, my co-author, Carrie Kersensi has a great saying about this. It's basically like essentially the cost of everything or like we need everything. And he has a beautiful Meco, Meco graphic that, that shows uh, for ESG funding, um, what's the relative size of all of this ESG capital? And venture is a tiny, tiny, tiny little, you know, you know, less, it's basically a percent or less like um, within that whole market. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't leave off um, all of the other important asset classes that are really going to be driving us to net zero. So long way of saying, like, uh, think about this in terms of the type of technology and then the type of, of um, financial asset class that we're really talking about. And climate tech is a very specific part. It's fun. It moves quickly. Um, um, lots of deep tech and, and cool founders happening in it. But by no means is venture capital climate tech going to be the thing that gets us to a net zero economy by 2050. Um, uh, it needs to work in tandem with other asset classes and prove its role in supporting that, especially since the climate innovations can't get to market and cross over those many valleys of death without alternative types of financing. Thank you so much. I think it's very, uh, very interesting. So let's go a little bit uh, now more specific to uh, Climate VC. Can you let us know a bit more about like the, the, the story you already shared, uh, this initial uh, you know, connection that uh, you had with, uh, with Kimberly and how she, uh, she started? So uh, maybe tell, me a little bit, tell us a little bit more about like how did it start, like this, this first months of, uh, of journey and, and why, uh, why 
in a way, maybe she, she started or what did she share at that time to say, okay, you know what, uh, this is really like something that uh, should, be, uh, should be out there and is not existing uh, today. And then you can probably like share a little bit uh, more in detail about like the different services uh, that you guys are, are providing. Uh, I saw this uh, recent, uh, you know, climate tech uh, job board that, uh, that you released, that's super cool. Uh, so uh, tell us a bit more about, uh, about that. Yeah, so um, Climate Tech VC was originally Kim's brainchild and uh, you should have her on to tell the story another time, but essentially she um, had graduated university after studying climate and economics and was working as a I banker at a, at a big bank and um, didn't find a single source of information on that intersection of innovation, you know, more venture capital and climate and threw out the webpage. And then we met um, and really kicked off Climate Tech VC together. So started as a blog um, <laughs> that was, was like in part um, an exercise for us to synthesize tons of inbound, overwhelming, conflicting kind of like information on climate and innovation and fundraising and try to sort it out. And by writing in public and by holding ourselves to a standard and working together and um, and listening to our subscribers, that went from less, you know, <laughs> blog to more like product, I suppose, like yeah. quite, quite quickly. So um um, I have experience writing and I care a lot about communication. And I think there's a certain editorial voice that, that, um, is a good fit for, for readers in this market. So we made sure to hone that and talk to people as if they were quite expert, um, but not in a dry form. Um, and so we, we keep that voice and we continuously survey and interview and, um, engage closely with our readership and in turn, they engage closely with us. So have, um, you know, our readers have developed some serious habits around opening the newsletter. We publish um, the kind of what you need to know uh, newsletter on Mondays, Monday mornings at 6 a.m. Eastern. And we've been very consistent in always publishing it then. Um, I don't think we've ever strayed from from that for the Monday publication and that consistency pays off. So obviously there are folks across the world that read the newsletter. So it's not 6 a.m. everywhere. Right. But um, when we publish it, uh, I think about like half of the readers will immediately open it within an hour of it hitting their inbox, which to me means like they're waiting for it. And this is a core part of how they start their week. They want to know what's going on and what do they need to know. Um, and we're, we're proud to be able to play that role. So, so um, that's, that's kind of a little bit of the like, how did we get started? Um, uh, you know, it, it, we started this in the beginning of the global pandemic and stuff like this, and, you know, interactions over Zoom were not, you know, um, uh, common. And so we were, folks were at home and more starting to become like more digitally curious or digitally native. And that allowed us to pick up the phone and talk to really like anyone. We had more access to people than we would have if we had to like schlub our microphone to San Francisco and sit in the office with some folks. So um, definitely some luck around market timing um, and trend to trends towards like kind of globalization and digitization. Um, 
and that gave us access, which then, you know, access begets access. So leveraging some of like my contacts from working in the ESG space for a long time. And, um, and it's a nice thing you're experiencing this. I'm sure it's like, it's like the domino effect of, uh, um, folks want to see who came before and, and match themselves up against that. And, um, we where we come in very prepared for all of the conversations that we're having in these Q and A's and, um, uh, consistently, you know, um, I remember like, a uh, good friend like Mark Tersick, who formerly was the CEO of the Nature Conservancy and at Goldman Sachs for a long time before that. And he was uh, uh, like halfway through our interview, he was like, okay, got it. I'm going to like, we're, we're having this level of conversation, right? Like, let's level it up. So um, earning the right to have those introductions and then, um, uh, uh, you know, really maximizing and making the most of that access is is how we hold ourselves accountable. Um, and I hope that shines through. We're, we're really writing and talking to folks who are active in climate tech and consider themselves like somewhat expert. Um, and, and we're talking to them as if they are expert across a whole breadth of, of um, um, kind of like functional and subject and technological areas. Um, but we, we're not dry, you know, like we'll, we'll sprinkle in a lot of Easter eggs along the way. And I love when uh, folks find it and, and then they're emailing us or texting us or messaging us or on social and it keeps, it keeps things active and live and, and frankly, pretty fun. So, um, and then one last piece of, we had started as a newsletter. We're still technically a newsletter, but really mm -hmm. we're a resource. Um, we're a resource and like a set of other products moving forward. So we've put out so much content at this point, um, that less the Monday, like what do you need to know? What's the news, but more the Friday, features, the market maps, the Q and A's, the deal deep dives. Um, those are, those are being, um, mostly engaged with when we push them out, but then, um, continuously engaged with over time as folks search for them or keyword and go back and look, um, or SEO and there's new viewers coming in. Um, and so we've realized that it'll be important for us to categorize that and make it more searchable now that there's such a, a volume of quality content that stands up over time. So we're revamping the way of delivering that, you know, we're shifting um, uh, services to, to push the content out to you. And then obviously we're going to on the back end be completely redesigning the way that you engage with Climate Tech VC um, uh, when it's not just in your inbox. So stay tuned, stay tuned on that and check out the jobs board as like an example of some of those other products that are going to be coming out, um, uh, just crazy levels of engagement on that, that I hadn't anticipated, but, um, clearly our readers want more. Definitely. Definitely. So just a, a little bit on, on the content in itself. I mean, we, you guys have been, as you mentioned, inc uh, producing an incredible amount of high valuable uh, content. And, uh, I'm the one of, uh, you know, uh, part of your audience on, a, on Monday, uh, opening your, uh, your newsletter most of the time. So that's, uh, and waiting for it. So that's, uh, very exciting. <laughs> and thanks for putting that together. Uh, but in terms of content, I mean, tell us a little bit more about like, how do you plan those topics? I mean, do you have like a specific uh, editorial line? Um, I mean, at first uh, you can always like map the ecosystem, but then after you go, uh, and I think that's uh, something very challenging as well is to produce high level valuable content that uh, is uh, fact-checked uh, and that is accurate. Uh, so mm -hmm. who helps you on that? Uh, do you have a, a team or do you have like co-writers or tell us a bit like the, the secret behind that? 
Great question. Yeah, there's a whole process behind it. So you're right. Um, uh, this has moved from being like a sprint to publish, uh, you know, the next week out as soon as you've published on a Friday sprint to the next Friday. It's not like that anymore. Um, there's a whole, um, a whole mechanism behind it. So uh, yes, we plan out feature content in about three months in advance. And so that's mostly Kim and I um, thinking deeply about what are we investing in, right? Because we wear the journalism hat, but then we take that off and we invest for both of our day jobs. <laughs> um, and yeah. so we're thinking about um, um, what's coming up in conversations on the investment side, where where do we not have full access to information, which probably is indicative of where others are curious as well. And we we are in literally 24, you know, 24 hour constant communication, seven days a week of, um, uh, um, chatting about those topics and then who is expert on that and who would we go to, to kind of like upskill. Um, and then we have a, um, a little kind of template or approach of reaching out to folks and saying, um, Hey, we're going to write about this on this time timeline. Do you want to come in and either be a co-author or, uh, uh, separately if we're asking for comment, we have a separate process for that separately. If you want to feature them in some way, there's a separate process for that. And then there's a, um, kind of, product stack, I guess, like behind behind all of those that make it easy enough to collaborate with so many different folks all at once across so many different topics on mm -hmm. so many different timelines. So it's a lot to juggle, but there's always a, a point person and and um, um, the folks that we feature are, are good friends and co-investors and folks that we really respect. So, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, it's always an excellent use of everybody's time and we have really high NPS, if you want to call it that, on on coming on the newsletter and engaging with us. So um, my friend, uh, uh, Paul, who's the CEO of a company called Remora, that we did a lovely Q&A, pretty easy, you know, like Paul's a great guy to interview. You basically don't need to do much editing on the back end when Paul's speaking because he speaks like he's writing a book. He's eloquent and fantastic. Um, Paul came on, we did a Q&A about his company, Remora which makes um, mobile carbon capture devices for semi trucks, easy to wrap your head around, like it's oh, nice hardware product. And um, we published that piece and, um, uh, and, the, and, and they got uh, an incredible amount of outreach and engagement with readers from that, including with national labs and um, large companies that are now purchasing their product and folks that applied to work at Remora, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, it's really important to us that it's not just benefiting the newsletters brand, but really first it's benefiting the folks that come on, um, you know, like who are our customers? Uh, mm -hmm. We're lucky that we're, we've chosen again and again and again to not monetize Climate Tech VC. Um, and so that frees up some of the thinking about like, um, like who are we serving? We're always serving the community first, as opposed to trying to, you know, serve our own bank account or, or whatnot, which, um, uh, uh, it's crazy how much time we spend on this side hustle, but it pays off, it pays off in other ways. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that, that, that's a good uh, segue for my uh, next question. Like what's the, the, the current business model? I mean, you guys are spending so much time. So how do you uh, finance yourself? Uh, and uh, what's next for Climate Tech VC? I mean, what's your maybe bigger vision and the, the steps that, uh, that uh, are required to make it happen? Yeah, so we've chosen to not monetize Climate Tech VC. And um, 
I'm a data person. I did management consulting and private equity. Like, trust me, there's models proving like what the value of this would be on an annual recurring revenue basis. It would be strong, but we've chosen to not do that in part because, um, you know, Kim and I and the folks that work on the newsletter, this is a volunteer effort and we all have other day jobs that um, um, there are, you know, um, what do you want to call it? There's, uh, uh, it would be difficult to wear the true like journalistic um, integrity hat and also deploy mm -hmm. money or also advise clients or also consult or be a founder, you know, which are roles that everybody that works at Climate Tech VC has while also profiting from the newsletter. And so we've chosen to not turn on um, subscriptions, mostly because we want this to be open source and accessible to everybody, even though it's a very high value product, we want that to be free. Um, uh, so, you know, and then um, sponsorship, we haven't yet really found much alignment with folks that would come on to be sponsors, but there's a chance that maybe we'll turn on a couple little sponsorships to cover operating costs. Um, and then with the jobs board, we left that wide open and free for folks to use for the first 30 days. Um, and we found that companies were asking, literally asking to pay to get a more premium version of the jobs board because it's so useful for them of like this incredible community of curated top climate talent that they wanted to pay to you know, pin to the top of the board or access it or have an easier way of uploading jobs, et cetera. And so we've now turned on monetization there to, you know, offer some of those premium options. Um, and, you know, this is again, not to line our pockets. It goes straight into a bank account that now means that Kim and I aren't fronting the cost of running the newsletter and the servers and the designers and all of that jazz. So um, we feel pretty good about that. And then it pays, you know, it actually pays in dividends for our investing work um yeah. and and network building so um uh Kim that's is a, a, yeah yeah that's a I'm, good segue to move to my uh, my next question in terms of uh, investors i mean uh you, you have that uh, that hat as well so uh can you tell us a bit more about like maybe last few uh, few previous investment that you did uh, what make them special and uh, you know maybe team market i don't know technology and how do you source those uh, teams and, uh, and founders? I'm, I'm sure uh, Climate Tech VC is definitely uh, very helpful on, uh, on, that, on that sense, but uh, who should come to, to pitch you? <laughs> Thanks for asking that. Um, let's see, I'm supposed to be careful about how I talk about this these days. There's some funky SEC rules. So um, I have been investing as an angel and as a venture partner with some existing funds and been running SPVs mm -hmm. on the side. And now I'm picking up the pace on that and putting some structure around uh, what my investment into early stage climate technology businesses looks like. So um, uh, would prefer to talk with folks on a one-off basis about that. And hopefully there'll be some more public news there about what the structure looks like moving forward. So um, let's leave it at, at that. Um, and then in terms of the specifics, uh, yes, of course, lots of, sourcing and, and conversations come through the newsletter. Um, uh, actually, like probably over half of the deals that I've done have been through some form of direct contact or outreach to people I didn't know before, but now got to know through the newsletter. Um, for example, a company called Therma, 
which makes continuous, which makes sensors to do continuous monitoring of temperature and humidity for application in the cold chain. So think either at quick service restaurants or increasingly in large um, cold chain, like three PLs and warehouses where um, uh, a majority of the OPEX goes into energy for cooling. Um, Therma helps you be more energy efficient through um, better tracking uh, in extreme detail, the temperature in different parts of your warehouse and therefore taking actions to use less energy to you know, um, uh, keep products um, cold and, and, and safe for use. So um, to me, that's like hand in hand climate tech, right? You're reducing your operating costs uh, and you're reducing energy usage at the same time. Really smart founder. Um, and we originally got in contact through the newsletter, um, hashing out like, how do you think about the space? Is this climate tech? Um, let's chat about our solution um, and got in touch through some investors that would also had on the newsletter as well that had backed the first round of Therma. So um, maybe that's one kind of wrapped in a bow example. Um, and don't get me started. I'll go all day talking about the rest of the incredible sure. <laughs> climate tech businesses that I've had the pleasure of investing in. Yeah. But how, how many investments do you guys do uh, on a uh, you know, quarterly basis? Do you have like a certain threshold and what kind of typical check that you put uh, out there is like very early stage, like seed, uh, pre-seed yeah. or uh, later stage? Yeah, so I invest exclusively in climate tech and I focus on physical risk industries. So think the world's getting crazier, hotter, harder to predict. Where does the rubber hit the road right away? And I see that happening in... Uh, you know, I'm biased agricultural technology, you know, just been on the other side of the table there myself. So love to look at those businesses, supply chain and logistics, that Therma example fits in there. Um, a lot on insurance. I think uh, the insure tech market and the climate tech market will increasingly converge through necessity. Um, but I don't see too many folks uh, like operating quite at the intersection of that yet. So I, I love to have those conversations. Um, and then of course, all things carbon markets. So um, particularly on the verification measurement and reporting side on being the kind of sustainability brain within corporates. Um, I come from the institutional investor side originally. So uh, there's there's so much white space happening around um, reporting and, and uh, climate risk from a financial institution perspective. Those are really the four main buckets that I like to mm -hmm. look at, but, but um, you know, uh, happy to, happy to, chat with people as a climate generalist, but um, I'm less your uh, breakthrough, brand new, you know, new um, distributed reactor uh, for like nuclear energy production and more the um, closer to shifting into the deployment side of the equation. Okay, so and, um, oh, and, I guess and, those, those sectors, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. Well, I was go just gonna ahead. say, and then, and then pre-seed and seed. So um, really okay. love to help folks like, come out of the lab and do a lot of talent matching with um, highly trained functional folks that might have been in a big tech company and now want to want to work on climate. Fantastic. So those sectors that those four buckets that you that you mentioned, are there according to you like the the, the most promising uh, for you today in terms of like what I call like impact, impact cash return or ICR, meaning like, you know, building impactful companies while creating highly profitable business. Or do you see any other buckets that you are not looking at, but where uh, maybe investors or founders should, should uh, look at? Yeah. So some folks talk about this. I like, I like your framing. Other people will say, you know, where can my capital be the most additional 
um, essentially where, where are the impact financing gaps? Um, and the leading example of an organization thinking that way is, is Prime Coalition and, and the um, venture capital fund that they built out. Um, and they had ample white space or green space, whatever you want to call it, just a couple, definitely years ago and even a couple months ago. And now uh, with this enormous influx of, of new funding coming into climate tech, all these new funds starting up, um, folks are competing for deals. And so just as an example, right, like trying to figure out where's that additionality on the impact side. Um, I think those those like fringe areas of climate tech are still CCS or CCUS or carbon to value, anything that's really um, carbon capture, carbon storage, uh, uh, conversion into value added products, um, tracking on the permanent side, that's still very fringe, but also um, blue tech, so ocean tech, uh, oceans as a, as a carbon sink, oceans as a source of raw materials needed for the energy transition, like, um, uh, uh, you know, nickel, cobalt, magnesium, um, silicon, like, etc. cetera. Um, oceans as a source of carbon sink through kelp farming, et cetera, et cetera. So those are two, those are two fun ones um, that definitely have a really high impact for uh, capital in return. Fantastic. So in terms of impact, like how do you um, measure uh, impact in terms of maybe CO2 removal or that has been avoided? Or like, do you have any like process or, or framework or do you rely maybe rely on, on scientists or experts, uh, part of your network to, to drive your investment or how does it work? This has always been the question, right? Which is like, how do you define impact, like the impact of investing? And my thesis has always been, and I'd love folks to push back on this, but like, <laughs> uh, I've been doing this for like 10 years, basically at this point, it's like, if it's climate tech, then it has impact. And climate, I believe, like the reason I'm investing in this area and not instead acting on the policy side or as a, um, uh, as a activist, right, is that I think that there's financial value to be driven here. And I think that if you invest smartly in the climate tech space, you will drive outsized returns because of the crazy transformations that are happening, you know, economy-wide. So for me, it's climate tech is impact. And uh, I do not burden my founders with reporting on particular greenhouse gas impacts, et cetera. Um, I don't have a particular threshold. It's, you know, I'm looking for venture scale returns. I want these to be billion dollar businesses, all of them. Um, and if they succeed, then where you know changing the way that the economy works for for the greener. So um, I take a kind of pragmatist approach to that, particularly because I'm investing at the pre-seed stage. It's about on the founder and the market. Um, mm -hmm. I would love for some of these climate accounting, carbon accounting initiatives. Um, you know, uh, Prime also has one of those going on. CDP's got one. Breakthrough Energy Ventures has another one. Clean Energy Ventures has another one. Columbia is working on it. All of these folks are trying to quantify the future climate impacts of currently nascent technologies. Um, but I don't think that's the place for an individual fund to, to be spending their energy. It's, it's, you know, it's the sunshine test or whatever. Like if you have to, if you have to squint to think that it's climate, then you're not, you're not going for the right level of impact here. Cool. So as you're the forefront of, uh, of climate tech and you see all of those, you know, like new technologies and founders and, you know, building incredible new solution and capital deployed. Um, what would you say to people who are like, you know, kind of like getting afraid of, 
you know, all of those terrible like news and already like, you know, visible consequences that we see in terms of climate change? I mean, are we doomed or do you think that there's hope or what, what would be your word to, to them? Yeah, I talk about this every day, right? Like uh, with folks who have been working on climate for a long time and um, there are mental health like implications to that as well to be in the like doom and gloom and bad news business like day in, day out. But um, for me personally, working like working hard and, and I'm a doer, I like to build things. And so being able to build and be active and be engaged and feeling like I'm participating is, is definitely a big um, um, relief and like has good health impacts for me as well. And, but to answer your question of, are we doomed? No. <laughs> um, but, but I'm also like a techno optimist, right? So are we in a really bad spot? Yeah. We're in a terrible spot Are people are gonna, um, will the world look exceptionally different from it does right now? Yes. Well, you know, um, uh, will we be able to, well, I was gonna say, will we be able to keep living the way that we do? Like, mm, let's get back to that one, but like, will, majority of of global folks lives be impacted for the worst like yeah we're going into really terrible tough times and I think a lot of people um are gonna die or you know significantly live like worse um uh we'll be living in a worse off way or more dangerous way um quality of life will go down but um uh you know I sit from a, I sit in a really privileged position and I talk to a lot of really privileged people who are mostly based in, um, you know, uh, developed countries who um, have access to high paying jobs and resources. And um, I don't actually think that those folks in this current generation and maybe even the next will uh, um, be facing like personally as many of the like horrible impacts of climate change as the folks that probably aren't able to come on the podcast or listen to the podcast or have access to read the newsletter like will this you know climate change disproportionately impacts folks that are most vulnerable um and that's who we're really talking about and i think silicon valley and i sit in manhattan like we need to be thinking about those folks um as we're building products and bringing on new services online um because those are the folks that are feeling and will continue to feel disproportionately the biggest impacts of climate change so um techno optimist crossed with like realist uh uh crossed with like trying to have a healthy healthy dose of perspective on um who tends to answer that question thank you so how can the community of uh, of listeners that uh, we have for tech for climate podcast can help you today anything that uh, you would like to ask oh man any support um, that uh, or maybe you have a long list <laughs> i don't know <laughs> always Tell compared us. to the Is list the well i think probably like that i just lay that out and that sounds like a little bit doom and gloom but like my ask would be to to keep that perspective in mind while you figure out how you're um going to work on climate um so first ask please work on climate <laughs> um i think it is incredibly rewarding and i think there's some fantastic uh opportunities for um self growth and career growth and and financial growth as well so it's strongly you know, you're not giving anything up by working on climate um, and happy to talk through with folks like pathways there for on-ramping or making a transition. We're going to write some blog posts on that because I get asked that question all the time. Um, so please work on climate. Please keep in mind that it's pretty unlikely that you and your family are going to be the ones that are the most impacted by climate. So so think about who you're building for. Um, uh, this is a global problem with, you know, <laughs> um, uh, pretty unfairly balanced like consequences. Um, and then what else would I say? 
Um, um, I mean, would love to have folks tune in and listen to what the content that we put out there. And obviously it would be great to subscribe, but, but moreover, like push back and tell us what you like and what you think is missing from, from our content. And we can't do everything. So if it's not a fit, if it's not a fit for our newsletter, then consider going out and doing your own or, or just like you, like starting a podcast and building a community because we all need to be in on this. Um, uh, and would love to, would love to see that and have more, more friendly, uh, what's the word? Um, cooperation. I don't know, friendly, <laughs> friendly competition. Um, and then moreover, if you're a founder, um, and you think that venture capital fundraising would be for you, um, I'd love to help you think through that journey and, I'm sure you can drop my contact information somewhere around or reach out through the newsletter, but we'd love to hear from you. We need, you know, I think uh, innovation is part of the way that we get ourselves out of this crisis, um, uh, but it's the part that I like to play in. So we'd love to, we'd love to do that with folks. Thank you so much. Any question I should have asked you and I did not for this part of the interview? Oh man. Um, um, I don't know. I think there's a role for everyone, right? But uh, we're talking about very specific, like, type of way of working on climate in in tech and in investing. But um, you can work on climate by, uh, you know, building or being an electrician and have way more impact than than I am as like as an author or uh, as an architect or as a farmer. Like every everybody's going to be working on climate sooner rather than later. So. Um, um, yeah, we're we're all in we're all in this together. Thank you so much, Sophie. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all of those uh, amazing insights about your personal journey, uh, about what uh, you guys are doing with Kimberly to build Climate Tech VC. Uh, it was super cool to uh, to hear the the, the insights and know where you guys are going. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah.